You're listening to the Straight Shooting Podcast here on the AHB Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Here are the hosts of the show, Jason and Mo. All right, welcome back to the Straight Shooting Podcast here on AHP. Thanks for joining me. It's great to have you with us again. It's been a while since we've done another show. Got Mario with me? Yes, g'day, Jason. Welcome back, everyone, to the Australian Hunting Podcast, the Straight Shooting episode. And, uh, Jason, it's been a very, very long time between drinks, mate. Um, We haven't recorded a podcast for, geez, it would be a good two months now. Yeah, exactly. It's been a while. It's definitely been a while. What's been going on? I've, uh, I've been out doing a bit of hunting. What about yourself? Well, I've been very, very busy with the family, Jace. Uh, so many things to do. Um, and uh, the little one, who is uh, just a ball of joy, my son, he is absolutely fantastic. He keeps me and the missus very, very busy. So, And, all, of course, the other two kids are always busy with them. They've got all sorts of sports and uh, karate and stuff like that to do. And I've got just a, a thousand and one things to do around the house, Jason. It's a very, very busy life, family life, and most of you guys that have a family would know that. And um, and it's very difficult, to be honest, to, um, I guess, fit a lot of, lot, lot of recreational things in, like going hunting, hanging out with your friends, and doing podcasts as well. But, you know, we do the best we can, and, and uh, I'm glad I'm here with Jason uh, doing a podcast just before the end of the year, and I'm glad all you guys are joining us. Absolutely. Lots to talk about today. I just went... Uh on a trip probably about two weeks ago, middle yeah. of November. And we always go down to the rice fields of Victoria. We stay at a farmer's property. It's always the same one uh, we go down to uh, every single year. It's good because generally he's got, you know, uh, fridges, electricity. It's always good to stay there because nothing worse when you actually go on to, you know, when you actually go duck shooting to actually be on the side of a rice field, especially at night when it's hot. You want to get back, you want to have a shower, hot meal, you know, uh, yep. protected from the mosquitoes and all the bugs. The bugs are just absolutely crazy. I mean, what do you expect, I guess, when you put, you know, a man-made swamp in the <laughs> middle of nowhere and it's hot, you get mosquitoes, all types of bugs. It's crazy. Yes. This year there wasn't many, hardly any really ducks down there. There was a few and obviously we had a good time, but they generally moved on fairly early in the trip. Uh, so I spent most of my time actually uh, – in the afternoon, some of the afternoons, uh, using the 243 and the Rabbit Warrens. Mm. And I made a video for YouTube, part one, or actually I haven't made part two just yet, but I've made part one. So you can go to my uh, YouTube channel, it's just under my name, Jason Selms, and uh, check that out. I also posted it on the Facebook page too, but I was really having fun shooting that 243. I'm really getting into that. I, I quite enjoy that long range shooting, using the apps, uh, you know, working up some loads but, you know, while you're reloading and trying to get the best out of the rifle and... Uh, Man, I tell you what, one thing I really did notice about long range shooting is wind. Wind's very difficult. Yeah. And um, it was just, it was really, really difficult in some situations where I had my little wind meter and it was, you know, 15 to 20 kilometer an hour winds, you know, trying to shoot 300 meters, uh, you know, changing the turrets as well to, you know, so I could aim dead center, you know, sometimes missing rabbits at, at very short distances, yeah. but hitting some really good long ones at like 385, 390. And when you think about that and how close I was getting to some, obviously hitting some, but getting cl- really close to others, so close, I'm thinking, how did I miss? It was just great to see the rifle doing that. It really was. I really enjoyed mm. it. And, uh, you know, anyone wanting to get out there and do a bit of long range shooting, and I would really recommend it to I'll people. I'll tell you what. And, uh, I'll tell you what, Jason. I was really, really impressed with your videos. And uh, a lot of, to be honest, Jace, look, a lot of young hunters out there, they, they only, I guess, dream about potting rabbits off at 300 metres. 
and let alone I mean, being able to see rabbits with a naked eye at 300 metres is difficult enough. But, you know, Jason done a, done a great job creating some really good footage and um, he spent a lot of time on his 243 and uh, you, you were doing hand loads, right, Jace? Yeah, hand yeah. loads, yep, yep. So he spent a lot of time perfecting his 243 and he's done a pretty good job and uh, you can see the results. He's made a great video. See, I was I was very impressed, uh, Jason, with that, and I think uh, a lot of people would have been too. So um, now, one sec, let me let me just say one thing first because yeah. important. Just going on back sure. from that for the reloading, people were asking about that. And I actually must admit, I, I, have you noticed that too? Ammunition, it's not really getting any cheaper. No, it's no. really getting expensive. I looked at guys um, some Nosler ballistic tips. They are a pack of two hundred and fifty. Now, yep. this was about probably six months ago now, and I, I sold them at the time because I wasn't using the nozzles. But, but even back then, I bought them about three and a half years ago mm. for just under about $60, $61, I think they were. Now I can't get them under $95. Yep. So you just projectiles reloading because just ammunition in general is not getting any cheaper. And uh, I went to the shop actually yesterday. Probably I'm not sure if you saw the photo on my Facebook. Um, I spent quite a bit of money just getting a lot of reloading gear that's going mm. to last a long time to basically yep. stop that price hike of ammunition. Um, you kind of insulate yourself from the price. Absolutely, yeah. 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 And it's really getting expensive. Yep. I think I bought 3,500 rounds of twenty two. Yep. four kilos of powder. Um, the 243, the Sierra loads that I used, I... I bought about another 1,000 rounds of them, you know, $60 a pop. I bought some 308 because I'm going to reload that. I bought about 700 rounds of, of that, which, again, deer hunting, I'm probably going to have the rest of my life, probably never going to use that many. But if I buy 700. Yeah. But, if I, but they're just – You're lucky to use 70, I think. Oh, exactly. Maybe, maybe. But, uh, you know, that's the thing is things are just getting, not getting any cheaper. Uh, I bought 1,000 small primers. I've probably got to go back and get a little bit more. But, you know, I mean, all up, that was almost $1,700. Yep. Which, which I'd been saving for over the, quite a long time because I knew I was going to do this. And I want to have, you know, calibers that are going to be the cheapest, well, generally not the cheapest to run, but the common calibers, you know, 243, yep. 223, 308, um, which, are, which are all, which, which I like all of those. Um, but yeah, get in, if you want to ch- you know, get into those pricing, get some money together. I recommend that to people, you know, because ammunition isn't getting any cheaper. But you're it's right, getting more expensive. But you're right, Jason. I mean, just in general, cost of living is just so high these days and, uh, Combine that with uh, you know extra costs for your uh, for your ammo for reloading or whatever it is, and uh, you know it just all adds up. And especially, I mean, I can tell you right now, in a lot of the especially in the industry I work in, I mean, most, a, a lot of companies, a lot of people working for other companies haven't had a pay rise for five years. So you combine that into the mix, it's it's getting very difficult. But um, but look, Jason, getting back to your video, right? Your video, um, mate, I was I was really impressed with them, and uh, and I can tell you right now, um. We're definitely going to make a few more videos like that because they're yeah. great. And I remember when I was um, uh, going to a private property and uh, shooting at long range, and uh, we used to just set up like a uh, a metal plate or something like that, and we used to set up at about five hundred meters. And I was able to shoot with my two four three metal plates at about five hundred meters. But I can tell you right now, it wasn't easy. And just the slightest change of wind would just set your bullet off completely, right? And you'd miss by at least several inches, and. And what made, makes you think about that with long-range shooting? Imagine how hard it is to shoot something uh, small at about three to 400 metres. And just picture it, all those military snipers who are shooting things at 1,000-plus metres. And the wind, all the variables involved, the wind, the angle, so on. Um, mate, it's just unbelievably hard. I just, I just have so much respect 
for their skills and their talents. And anyone that can shoot things at long distance, it just takes a lot of, lot of skill, a lot of practice, a lot of education. So yeah, good on you, Jace. We're, we're well done. You'd be surprised too. Obviously using you know the application, there's a Strelock app that actually yep. goes on your phone and then you've got to do a bit of trajectory validation. Obviously using a chronograph if you've got one as yep. well. But once you do that, I'm surprised actually, even when I didn't do any trajectory validation, because I honestly didn't have time, we'll shoot in darks. During the day, it's really, really hot down there. So you really can't get out. Like, I mean, it is super hot, like especially in the sun. Yep. You pretty much either got to be under a tree and even then the flies are just crazy as well. But, um, you know, people have asked about it and it's, it's very good to get into, you know, it's very mm. exciting to get into, I think, using the app because before, probably like a lot of people, maybe like yourself too, I'm not sure, you know, when we go hunting before, people say, well, you know, if we're shooting at these long distances, I'll oh, just hold over, but we're always guessing. And you don't want to guess, and this is the great yeah, thing about right. when you work yeah. a loadout. You're, I'm confident now yep. that if I had a deer at three fifty, four hundred meters, that two, four, three, if it was a small deer, maybe a small fellow, yep. I'd be able to hit it. And then people also ask me too, why did you choose two, four, three? And I thought that was a good reason too. Even with eighty five grain from the Sierra Game King, the Hollow Point boat tails. It was still affected by wind a little bit, you know, oh, yeah. Yeah. even at distances. So that's why I chose 243 over, say, uh, 223, which I do have a 223 in the ticker light or super light. I've got a ticker mm. super light. And then, so this is my only varmint barreled styled gun. So pretty much, it's, you don't, you're not really going to walk with this gun. That's yep. pretty much grab it. You, know, you can probably walk 100 meters with it. No, but you can probably walk more than that, but I wouldn't be yep. recommending it as a carrying around rifle. So that's why I decided to chose it to hopefully those projectiles could buck the wind a little bit. And those Sierras, I'm telling you what, I'm sold on Sierra projectiles. Oh, yeah. 0.2 groups. I use Sierra Game King. All the way. Sierra Game King. Yeah. They're not cheap, yeah. but I mean, you're not shooting a lot of them either. I mean, if you're shooting, yeah. you know, going out and you're shooting 20 rounds, like I shot probably, you know, 25 rounds, 30 rounds out of that for the whole trip. And that was, you know, by yeah. the time I actually set up, you're not shooting all the time either. That's the thing. Rabbits are popping up. You shoot, they go down, wait 10, 15 minutes. One pops its head up. Yep. Yeah. I use my binoculars to try and look around, make sure, you know, and there's so many warrens around me that you could just literally just turn your head like 90 degrees. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, but, you know, Jason, for those listeners who are interested in long-range shooting but don't want to get into the technicalities of reloading, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty easy to buy a decent gun these days like a Ticker T3 shoots very well out of the box. And, uh, and then just try a variety of different ammo. I mean, you can try some uh, Federal, some Winchester or some Remington ammo on the, on the gun and uh, some ammo will shoot better than others. So, I mean, that's, it's, a, it's a very easy way to get into it. And once you find the ammo that shoots the best out of your gun, then all you need is a pretty good scope and some software on your phone. And you're pretty much, uh, once, you, once you learn how to use that, you're pretty much ready to shoot things at up to 500 metres. Mm, and even so, the factory ammo is yeah. not too bad. Obviously, the better it groups, the better it's going to be at longer yeah, distance course, too. You know? um, but, I mean, anything half an inch, you know, mm. about a half an inch. If you can get half an inch at 100 metres in a good standard size group, Mate, that's going to be more than enough. Well, to I can tell you, Jason, I've got, a, I've got a friend of mine who's got a Ticker T3 uh, Tactical. All right, so it's a pretty good gun, and he's got it in six point five. Tactical, yeah. So he, it's more dangerous than the average gun. That's average. right. It's, it's black and silver. It's black and silver. Yeah, exactly. Um, so he's got a Ticker T3 Tactical, right? So it's a pretty good gun, but he shoots factory rounds, six point five by fifty five, mind you, sweet. Right? He shoots factory rounds. Um, which are, I think we use Federal. And, mate, that thing shoots a hole in the hole in the hole at 100 metres every single time. And we were shooting stuff at 500 metres, and he was just hitting it every single time. So this is just the factory rounds. 
And uh, and, and most ticker hunting rifles, and mind you, I'm not, I'm not trying to promote ticker hunting rifles at all, but I know a lot of friends that have them, Jason and a couple of my other mates, uh, they're out of the box, they just shoot really, really good. And same with, uh, to be honest, same with a lot of the uh, Weatherby and Howers. They're not, they're not too bad either for cheap rifles. A lot of guys are bad. using the Howers. They're yeah. really, yeah. really good at the moment. And um, and that's a very, very cheap rifle, very affordable. And uh, if you get the right combination of ammo, like factory ammo and rifle, and get some good results at the range, then that's the sort of ammo you'd want to use. You want to stock up on a lot of that specific ammo and buy about, I guess, a whole, you know, couple of hundred rounds maybe, and then pretty much you've got a gun f- for the next 20 years that you can shoot comfortably with and, right. and very, very accurately with. And if you're not shooting a lot too, I mean, that gun will last you a lifetime. I mean, I bought a 1,000 rounds of 243 Sierra, mm. I think, and I had 200-round tubs left over. Yep. That's 1,200 rounds. That'll see me out probably the life of that rifle easy, yep. I would say. But mind um, you, Jason, we are talking the perspective of, of people who, who have been hunting and got lots of experience and generally don't, do not shoot more than two or three boxes of rounds on a hunting trip, right? So we're not, right. we're not talking about the guys that go out on the hunting trip and have heaps of fun and then shoot several hundred rounds each, right? I mean, that's, that's a completely different story, you know? So we're talking about people that just go, uh, that go out and, and are very, very careful with their ammo, very sparing with their ammo. So, and, I mean, these days if you buy a couple of boxes of factory ammo that suit your gun, I mean, it's a very good chance it will last you for several years. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if you're hunting deer, most of the time. I mean, how many? We went deer hunting last year. I mean, how many rounds yeah. did you shoot out of your thirty thirty oh, last look, year? I look, think, I, I think I, you shot I, a cat. Probably, you shot I, a cat. I, I probably shot one a box of twenty the whole year. That's it. If you, yeah, most time I've been lucky. I, I went hunting a couple of times and shot, shot shot twenty rounds, and you know I shot a couple of things, but I didn't really use up that much ammo. So. You know, but that's just me. I'm very conservative with those sort of things. I'm, I don't kind of yeah. shoot at anything. Muzz, and lets, Muzz sees deer instead of shooting them. He decides to film, <laughs> film them instead. I'm like, the thing's run, run, running along the game trail, and Muzz is like, oh, I'm gonna. His first instinct is to film it, not shoot it. Like, uh, it was, shoot it the doe. It was that a little doe. I was, I was, you know, I was after something a little bit more mature. So anyway. Oh god, mate. <laughs> when, when when the slim pickings there, you take oh, anything well, you can I get. I know. I know. What can you do anyway? You know? Yeah. No. It was a. It was a. Looks like it was an excellent trip by all the photos and everything. Jace, I'm. I'm really pissed. Oh, not pissed off, but I'm really spewing. I guess uh, that I didn't come. But you know what? After seeing that uh, rabbit shooting that you've done in that video, I'm very, very tempted to go. And uh, I was very busy this time, but maybe next time I will come. That, that, that's the thing about that property too. La- the last couple of years, because we know the guy get on really well with him, yep. uh, a couple of guys have either cleaned it out or they've had a, a, an outbreak of some disease there. Oh. So the last couple of years, they weren't like they're almost non-existent. Whereas this year, even he said, he goes, oh, mate, they're starting to come back. They're not as good as they were the first year. Because we used to walk around in certain areas like with a little thicket with the shotgun. They would hear us, you know, walking, like basically tapping the ground or whatever as we're walking. And they'd literally 10, 15 metres in front of us. They'd flush from the thickets. We'd use the shotgun. It was mm. quite exciting. But this year, uh, it was, it's really picking up. So that's good, you know. And I think that's... that's and, and to be honest, Jason, it's rare that you would find a place where you can actually sit down on a nice flat area and shoot rabbits at that distance. I mean, a lot of private properties mainly have this sort of mm. area because the land is cleared. I mean, you, you, you'd be, you know, struggling, don't forget, you'd be struggling sitting... to find areas like that on public land. That's my that's my point. Yeah, and yeah. I, I was sitting in the middle of the field too. That's the thing. If mm. I went, if I went back to the where the start of the field started or yep. at the back, yep. if I had a nice good vantage point, because don't forget it's very flat. So sometimes it's very difficult to lie flat on the ground and mm. be able to see game 
because it's so flat, you know, you've got, yeah, you've got to get you, up just a little. Yeah, you need I had, a slightly elevated I wish position. I had like a yeah. table or something like that would have been good. But if I moved back further, I probably could have moved back another couple of hundred metres. But mm. I also wanted to get good footage. It was my first time doing it. So I wanted to, and honestly, when I, I remember on the, one of the second or third days, I think it was, where wind was pretty out of control. Mm. I was sitting there and I had about five bunnies, first five I missed. like, <laughs> And literally by... Uh, like an inch. Uh, if that, I'm like, how did that not hit? And yeah. then when I, when I look back at the footage, I'm like, oh, my but God. But what distance was this? What distance oh, was this? Sometimes just up 300. 300 but, I mean, yeah. you know, when you got wind. Still, it's a fair distance for oh. a bunny. I mean, you can't, I mean, it's very difficult to spot a bunny with naked eye at 300 metres. Yeah. I mean, I was using my uh, Nikon binoculars, which are mm. – but get a set of binoculars, guys. I think we spoke about – And a range finder. Show. And a range finder. This stuff really works for you. Yeah. You don't, they don't really have to spend a lot of money. I mean, I know guys out there – I watch a few guys on YouTube that are just yeah, – same thing. They're shooting howers. They're shooting mm. – uh, tickers, those sort of guns, reasonable price firearms. Yeah, yeah. Well, a thousand bucks. Yeah, their scopes. I mean, yeah. range anywhere from five hundred to two thousand, depends on which people you watch on YouTube. But mm. you know, that's not bad. You get the app. The app's like fifteen dollars. You know, you work yeah. up your loads if you're reloading, or you don't have to. You can work up your factory. Yeah, that's ammo. right. You know, but fine. don't forget too, Jason. If you are going to go down the road of reloading, I mean, be be prepared to spend a bit of money because, and you, also you don't you do need to figure out the muzzle velocity of your rounds. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. So depending on the what type of bullet and how much powder you put into it, and then after you 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 after you've tested at about a hundred uh, hundred yards or hundred meters and uh, seen the accuracy that you're getting, and uh, well, if you're happy with it, you've got to try and get the muzzle velocity. Without the muzzle velocity, you'll have a pretty tough time figuring out. Uh, the exact position of your bullet at certain distances. So especially when you go past 200 metres, you know, the, the variations can be quite extreme. So anyway, so good luck with that, guys. Anyway, Jason, let's move on to the next segment of the show. Yeah, we're talking on to the iTunes comments, some uh, good iTunes oh, comments. Go. And I want to apologise to people. Uh, most look, people probably don't know I'm on a free server that uh, hosts the podcast. There was a bit of an issue for about 11 days. I had people message me saying they couldn't download the show, what was going on. Uh, eventually that was sorted out by the server, but then all of a sudden I couldn't upload any shows. Uh, I couldn't upload any shows whatsoever for about 11 days, and I kept hassling them. Felt kind of bad because it is a free service, but I was telling them, I'd love to pay you a fee, but you don't have that service. And you know, if you're going to run a business, like I got a little bit cocky with them a little bit at one stage because I'm like, if you're going to run a business, like we appreciate if it was sort of it would work. Yeah. Otherwise, make it a paid service so you can upgrade and make sure things are working properly. But everything's back to. Uh, working properly now, but I will recommend if you are on iTunes, guys, it seems to be working fine now. Uh, if you are on iTunes, I'm recommending people actually uh, uh, cancel or unsubscribe from the podcast on iTunes, delete it, and then resubscribe. That that definitely will change things on there and make sure that it's actually working. So again, guys, if you're, if you're on iTunes, subscribing to the podcast, uh, just unsubscribe to it, delete it, and then re-put it up again. Everything will refresh again. Uh, and you'll have everything there ready to go again. It'll be all updated. Uh, all the names are correct now, so everything's going to work perfectly for you. So what we're going to do, we're just going to go into some of the comments from uh, Clayton MC, five stars again. He said, just listen to the Al McGlashan episode. That was a fishing one we did. He says, it's your best yet. Love the straight shooting series as well. Keep it up. Uh, wow. Thanks, uh, mate. Good on you. Yeah. Who, who to thunk? That was his name, October 25th, 27. And gave us a little bit of negative feedback, but I think he's right on this one, and Muzzle will probably agree with him as well. Great show with interesting guests. Once more feedback. Maybe try to let 
Maybe try to ask a question and stop talking. Your guests are smart enough to work out the answer. Jeez. So he's probably right. Um, sometimes we do do that. Sometimes me and Muzz. I, th- I think he's talking about your interviewing style, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. yeah and, I, we, and we do it to I each other. I totally agree with you, mate. <laughs> me and Muzz do it to each other too because I guess we like to talk. But, you know, we are trying to not do that. And Total, not- Totally agree with you. Yes, um, Point taken. Yeah, who to thunk? That was who to thunk. And then we've yep. got Crafty Catch as well on October 25th, 2017. He said, keep up the good work. And he rated it five stars. So currently we've got about 150 ratings on iTunes, 141 five stars, four four stars, four three stars, and one jerk off uh, gave us one star. Obviously someone who doesn't like me, probably not a, not a fan that's of okay. our that's content. That's okay. That's all right. That's, like, that's, that's pretty good, mate. I'll take that. <laughs> exactly. We, I guess we can't complain really too nah, much. Nah. All right. Getting on to our Facebook comments as well. We had Jade. He's one of our regular listeners. Hi, Jason Amaz. Just listening, sorry, just finished listening to podcast episode 159. Really enjoyed it. Uh, Please continue with this style of interview podcast. Now, if you recall, our last straight shooting was more concentrating on uh, hunting, camping yeah. ideas, that sort of thing, which a lot of people, some people didn't like it. A lot of people did like it. Again, we try and cater for everyone. It says, I've been lucky to have my dad and brother show me the ropes when it comes to hunting and camping, but you guys did touch on some great points, etc. So example, PLBs and snake bite yeah. kits. Uh, I'm starting to get into bow hunting. Uh, you've already had people on the show about this, but it would be great to hear more from bow hunters. That would be great. If I could recommend Ben Solaris. He's given me some great advice and extremely knowledgeable. Also, it's controversial if you could do a show on trophy hunting. There are some great Australian trophy hunters to tell stories. Either way, keep up the great work. Enjoy and have a great long weekend. Jade, thank you very much, Jade, for those wonderful comments. And uh, yes, Trophy hunting would be good to do a show. I don't think it's controversial at all. I just think people don't understand it. Um, we've uh, we've had over the years we've had way too many shows. Um, I guess glorifying, kind of putting up on the pedestal all these beautiful African animals, and not understanding the practical um, the practical side of it and what these African animals do and how they coexist with people or not coexist and how a lot of the laws are damaging actually what's going on with these beautiful animals in Africa. Anyway, the news about that with trophy hunting is that Trump's reversed the ban on elephant and lion skins and elephant parts from Africa, from certain parts of uh, Africa. He's reversed the ban, the Obama ban, on that. That is really good news for all the trophy hunters in the United States. And I'll tell you right, there was a massive, massive uproar when he did by all the left, left-wing greenies and uh, animal lovers and animal liberationists. My God. Did he cop it? But I'll tell you what, you've got to you've got to be able to have a thick skin if you want to put some of these common sense laws in place. But I think you know what? At the same time, a lot of these politicians they don't address some of the issues and do some education uh, with the people and tell people actually why they done they done what they done. And that, that's my biggest beef. They don't blame themselves. They don't prosecute the case. But anyway, thanks very much, Jade, for your wonderful note, mate. We appreciate that. The Australian Hunting Podcast is the only hunting, shooting and fishing podcast radio show in Australia. With over 40,000 downloads per month, you are sure to find some information that can help you. If you love hunting, shooting, fishing and a little bit of politics, the Australian Hunting Podcast has you covered. To listen, check us out on iTunes and visit australianhuntingpodcast.com.au.
Yeah, got another one from Ant, which I'm, maybe he's Anthony. I'm not sure. Love the podcast. Keep up the good work. I have a lot of shooting stories and photos. Might send you an email or something one day, he says. so. Well, oh, good on you, Ant. Thanks very much. Yeah, it'd be great if you send over that email because that would be good. Uh, we'd love to We love to hear stories. We'd love to put the things on Facebook if you if you allow us, of course. Oh, no. It's, you, know, you, know, you, know, you know what it is? It's, it's Anthony. That's what Ant, Ant is short for. I That's think. what I just said. Oh, you, did you? You are a grub. Oh. <laughs> I must have been he's listening must, again. He must have been listening again. He's too busy talking, less time listening. All right. <laughs> what a grub, isn't what? he? And you, and you got to think, why do I invite this guy hunting? Hey, you hey. can tell. You can tell it's been two months. Since you can tell it's been two months. He's a bit rusty on the old microphone, but that's okay. All right, Lex, one up. We got Lance, and he says, "Hey guys, love the podcast. As you guys are fairly political and all about hunting and shooting, being given this book by a friend and figured out you might be interested. And the book's called A Deadly Deception at Port Arthur. Now, <laughs> I know this is uh, says, scientific evidence questions mm. Australia's Port, about Australia's Port Arthur massacre by Joe Vialis. And it's got uh, Crime Scene abro- uh, brought at Arrow Cafe. You know, people have Look, sent me this stuff before yeah. just quickly. And, um, you know, we tend not to buy into this sort of thing. We don't really want to talk about it. It's done and dusted. It was back in 96. I think, you know, people get freaked out when you say, well, I think we've moved on a little bit from that. We need to start, you know, addressing our current laws. It's in the back of our mind. I think it would have been great if people actually got closure in regards to what happened at Port yeah, Arthur. Look, a case was had. People yeah. got closure. Family members got closure. It seems to be that chapter... Sort of wasn't closed, I think, the way it should have been. You know, I don't, I don't buy into conspiracies. It was or it wasn't. I don't know. I wasn't there. Yeah. All I know is but, that. You but know, the reality is, even if it was a conspiracy, even if you had proof tomorrow that it was that undeniable proof, would it change anything? I don't. I really don't think so. Um, and the public would, would probably wouldn't believe it. That's hard. The this public really, wouldn't yeah. believe it, and my, most of them wouldn't even care. Uh, and I can tell you right now that it would not change the laws one little bit. And the reason is, is because it's been 20 years and the public have no, unfortunately, the general public have no appetite for it. It's up to us to change the narrative, to change the conversation, to educate people and then hopefully get changed like that. So, But anyway, look, it is interesting, well, you know, anytime you look at it and anytime you see it like that, I've seen plenty of videos, plenty of books, plenty of uh, so-called evidence, plenty of people that... Um, state uh, obvious discrepancies and problems with Port Arthur. And yes, you know, there's a lot of... Uh uh, what questions would, unanswered. Of unanswered question. I agree. I'm, I totally agree. There's unanswered question. But I'm, am I going to be one of these conspiracists that keeps going on about it? And so, no, I'm not going to be. Yeah, we're going to move so, on and start yeah. trying to get our rights back and trying to undo some of that legislation. Yep. That's been the most difficult part. How would you like to win an all-expense-paid trip to the U.S. to hunt the elusive Ordad sheep of the wild southwest? Burris Optics and Beretta Australia are giving away one fully guided Ordad hunting trip to the lucky owner of any recently purchased Burris Optic. For your chance to win, purchase any Burris scope, sight or binos from your favourite firearms dealer and enter the competition. But hurry, offer ends December 15, 2017. For more info, visit the Burris Australia Facebook page or Google Bag Yourself a Burris. Good luck and happy hunting from Burris Optics and Beretta Australia. Getting on to some listener emails. This one's from Shane. He says, hi, I've been recently purchased a lock 3K safe. If that's a safe, I'm not sure. And he goes, I'm looking at placing a safe in the corner of my garage. I live in Western Sydney, you know, which I do too, where in summer can get above 40 and the nights can get down to about zero. Would the garage be a suitable location? Would the temperature affect the safe and or rifles ammo stored in the safe? I tried to search online regarding this 
information, but the majority of articles are for homes in the United States where there's been mixed reviews. Now, I've got a bit of information about this because uh, uh, in my safe, very, very interesting, um, I think it's called the Goldenrod. Right, so you can buy them. Sometimes they come with an American plug. I think new ones these days come with the Australian plug. Mm. And what you do, drill a hole in the side of your safe, preferably at the bottom, feed it through first, and then you actually put, you actually connect the plug onto the core, plug it in. What it does basically, it basically heats up, displaces the humidity air, and pushes the air out, pushes the humid air out. So what you what they're hoping that actually does is it removes the humidity from the safe, keeps the the humidity at safe levels, mm. so your firearms don't rust. The only things. I recommend, which I think work fantastically. Muzz doesn't agree with this because he barely wipes his guns over, and his you know nah. gun and his gun cares less nah. than less than Stella. <laughs> put it that way compared to me. But if you head to you know super cheap autos, one place maybe BCF sell them as well. I know Blackwoods, the big uh, company that sells a lot of different uh, equipment and stuff. If you either get Inox, which you can yeah. buy in a can, but I'm saying buy it in five liters because that's the most economical. I think it's about seventy dollars. Uh, Inox is a, cer- a certain basically it's a lube. Put on a rag. You can, I, I put a rag in a Ziploc bag. Wipe over the gun so they don't rust. You can use it on the bore. Absolutely fantastic. If you want something a bit more long-term storage, Lanox mm. or what they call Lanatech, which is basically the sheep's wool, which is lanolin. R- about the same price, maybe a few dollars more than the Inox. Buy it in five litres, $75, $85 around that mark. Mate, that's something you'll have for the next 10 you know, years. You know what I use, Jace? Nothing. <laughs> He uses, uses Actually, water. He uses water. I've thrown in some of those silica, oh, silica packs. Silica yeah, yeah. Packs They're probably three years old and full of water as we speak. <laughs> I can I'll guarantee throw, it. I've thrown in to save some of those silica packs you yeah, find you, in a shoebox. Yeah. Oh, shit. You know you're not – That's the, they'll get wet. They're probably already not working anyway. But oh, that's shit. just my tip, guys. Put put a golden rod. It's called a dehumidifier rod. You can find them online. You know, A lot of places sell them. Uh, and, again, I always wipe my guns down. I actually went to – I think it was – Buttings, I think, have got what they call a bag of rags. Yeah. It's like 20 rags yeah. in there. What I do is I pull it out. You've got your spray bottle, which you get with the inox. Fill it up with inox. Just, just spray the, the one of the rags, you know, one of the big ones, until it's basically drenched. Wring it out or whatever. And then what I do is I just keep using one of those for two to three years, and it gets all the oils in there and everything like that from the gun. Uh, and, you keep, and you just pull it out of the Ziploc bag. You wipe over your guns again. If It never really dries out. So if you need a bit more, spray a bit more on it. Wipe your guns down. Use it in the bore, and it'll stop Jason, your bore Jason from rusting. Jason is very fussy with his guns. Very fussy. I must admit, he looks yeah. after his firearms very. If you look well. at mine, unlike, unlike me, I mean, I mean, my guns are pretty good. Thank oh, God. Shit. Thank God, most no, of them are stainless. Guys, they're not good. I'm saying I've seen there's a bit of rust on them, and that and that would just freak me out. Oh, I mean, yeah. like rust. Is Jason, only, Jason will be horrified to see yeah, some. The of my only guns. enemy of guns is rust and politicians. So you're already <laughs> no. you're already falling for the big two already. Politicians is guaranteed, but rust. You can do something about rust. No, uh, you can do something about us. But exactly. yeah, definitely look over them. Definitely, you know, use that. Who, because, who was that? Sorry, Jess? Uh That was from Shane. Shane. Oh, thanks very much, Shane. Yeah, excellent question from Shane. Thanks for that, mate. Really appreciate it. All right, next one is from, uh, I think it's Alexi, A-L-E-X-E-I. Now, I'm... I'm not sure if it's a male or a female, so forgive me if I'm wrong. Hi, Jace Mars. Just wanted to show my appreciation. I've been listening to your podcast for a few years now, and it's really given me the inspiration to battle through the red tape and secure my firearms license. Your views are spot on. And I'll stoke you guys are out there giving persuasive arguments for unpopular issues, like our right to self-defense and access to things like suppressors and semi-autos. I've swayed many friends' opinions with information I've received from your podcast. Keep fighting the good fight. Wow, thank you very much, Alexi. That's a great email, Jace. Excellent. Yeah, really good. And, and, and Keep good. listening. Exactly. And good work on uh, getting your firearms yeah. license. I think uh, 
that's a, that's a really really good thing. Try and get as many people as you can to get. This might be a good opportunity for us, Jason. Let people know that we've got a really good video online on how to get your firearms license and how to go hunting in the state forest. Absolutely, so, and that that is on. Yeah, it's on, a- YouTube. A- on YouTube. It's called yeah. uh, "How to Get Your Firearms License in New South Wales." It's yep. under my uh, private YouTube channel, or the Jason Snell's, my personal one, I should yeah. say. So, if you've got uh, any friends that want to um, may be interested in getting their gun license and whatever, then you can point them to the video, and then basically that'll give them a good guide. All right, we've got another one uh, from, from Phil. Phil, awesome first deer. And that's I always love when I get these ones called first deer. Wow, because uh, it was pretty successful yeah. year for us, I guess. Yeah, that's you right. did you get one this year? Uh yeah, I did, but um, mainly with the camera. <laughs> Instead of shooting at me, he shoots it with the camera. Uh, but, I tell but, you what, you done Levy, really well. But you done really well, yeah, Jason. Laurie Levy from the Coalition of Duction, he would love you. Instead of shooting them, shoot them with the camera. <laughs> that's his. That's their motto, isn't it? Hey, Jason yeah. and Mars, love your podcast, but sadly, listen to them all and going back to the best ofs. I so I thought like you, my first year would take many years, and I've only had state forest to hunt in. As I've seen a few, I went for a last day of the season hunt and was lucky enough to approach a spot and sight about six or so. Great, the stalk was epic. Ended up on my hands and knees. Got to about 130 yards and a good tree support. Was able to select a good tan buck. Luckily to have time and steady myself, as I would have been devastated if I missed. The T3X in six and a half Swede did the job more than well, and it only ran about 10 meters. Sad the computer kids and city phone zombies will never get the feelings of joy I had. Uh, like the feeling of the big fish, it's just great. Had everything except trophy antlers. They were shed, but well over an inch at the base. Would make a good talking top at how the season works regarding condition of deer and antler shedding, as I have not found any info on this in local area Sydney. Looking forward to the next straight shooting, guys. All the best, Phil. Wow, Phil. Wow, excellent. Great email. Great email. And just before, Jason, we were talking about the, t- the ticker T3 in uh, 6.5 Swede. And, uh, yeah, fantastic. And it, uh, it's a perfect, perfect situation and how you got your first de- deer. And I can just imagine, I remember my first deer and all the adrenaline that was going from my body and that feeling of elation finally when I knew I, got, I had to kill Was your first shot, thought shot. to sort of film oh. it with the camera? Or was... <laughs> no, no, not at all. <laughs> what was your first not thought? At all, not at all. But, Phil, good on you, mate. That, that's excellent. That's a great story. And, um, yeah. Okay, shedding of antlers. Jason, me and you have to do a bit of research on this, okay? Yep. And we're definitely going to come back uh, with another show where we're going to explain some of this stuff. So yep. uh, very important. Good question. Thank you very much, Phil. Yep, thanks, mate. Really appreciate it. And thanks for your email. congratulations on the deer. That's, that, that's just awesome way Excellent. to finish off yeah. the year. Brilliant. I got an email from Mark. This is a bit bit of a mixed one, but some good stuff in it too. Hey, Jason, thought I'd give you some feedback. Started listening to the podcast about a year ago. I kind of stopped listening after a while because I didn't really like the political conversations too much. I stumbled onto a YouTube channel and really enjoyed the videos. I also hunt alone in New South Wales State Forest with my R license and totally get the vibe. This July, I took my first red spiker out Oberon Way, but before that, had two years of hard grueling getting to know the forest inside and out. Many poor off-hand shots at foxes, etc., which reminded me of your fellow miss at 50 metres. Yep, that's for sure. But hey, that's why I love hunting alone. Just thought I'd pop you a message of support. Take care. Mark, thanks, Mark, for that. Very, very interesting. Uh, on my last trip, too, I would have had my uh, third deer mm. uh, for the year. Third deer for the year, but unfortunately, same thing. I, I missed with the three hundred eight, and quite surprisingly, I had uh, a second shot at it, <laughs> and I also <laughs> missed too, which I think was about 
I reckon it was probably maybe 100 metres, 7,500 metres. Sometimes the closer shots are the easiest to miss. Honestly, even I was put my head... And don't forget, I wasn't off-hand position. I was in the prone, lying down on a bipod. How on earth (laughs) did I miss that? Uh, Totally. But you know what? I wasn't really unhappy on that last trip. I knew I had a good... I really didn't care on the last trip. I I, I relaxed a bit more than I would have because I already had two deers that year. So, Mark, Mark, well, listen, thank you for your email, Mark, and I can understand why you don't like the political content and believe me we don't like it either eh Jason no. uh, I hate talking about politics mate I, I really detest it I can't stand it uh, unfortunately we uh, in the current climate we do have to talk about politics we have to be politically active um, guns and hunting is political by nature so it's not something that we can avoid unfortunately I wish it was but the reality is it's not so we do have to talk about politics and we do have to be politically active. That is the reality. And, mate, I wish you all the best with your hunting. Thanks thanks for your fantastic email. Looking for outdoor equipment for your next adventure? At Aussie Outdoor Gear, you can find cooking equipment, camo clothing for kids, backpacks, camo accessories and much more. We cater for your hunting, fishing, camping, hiking and other outdoor pursuits with our unique product range. AussieOutdoorGear.com.au Quality gear at affordable prices. All right, I got a message from Dave. He said, watching our YouTube channel a couple of days ago, Austrian female with, uh, was carrying pepper spray in her vehicle as well as a fixed blade knife. So I suppose they are allowed to have this spray. Just thought I'd pass this on to you. In the near future, could you do a segment on we as gun owners and state governments and federal government intentions or where we are at? We are definitely an any country compared to some others. In Canada, you can have a pump shotgun. I follow a guy on YouTube that has one. You would think we would ha- could have better pepper spray for personal protection. I'm just so despondent, frustrated with this country's attitude, and I'm close to renewing my long-arm license. So thanks, Dave, for that. But, uh, mate, you shouldn't be thinking about doing it. You should be doing it. Yeah. <laughs> because we want as many people as we can getting their gun license in this country. So get out there, you know, get your gun license, uh, you know, go hunting, go shooting, and uh, be become one of the you know almost over a million gun owners in australia yes dave thanks very much for your email mate uh absolutely correct uh, virtually 90 percent of the world has some form of self-defense uh whether it be uh via pepper spray or some kind of firearms um unfortunately we're in a 10 percent um so that's something we have to deal with something we have to change however in wa uh they do have pepper spray that it's legal in that state so, you know, I don't know why we can't, our politicians, our program politicians, why can't they use WA as an example? I don't think uh, there's a big epidemic of uh, people spraying each other in WA. No. So, I mean, if it's okay for WA, it should be okay for most of the country, pretty much all the country. So, yeah, I absolutely agree with you, mate, with the self-defense thing. Me and Jason are big proponents of self-defense with firearms, of course, and anything, anything that's non-lethal, of course, absolutely, without a doubt. And uh, it's just going to take a while. I and mean, just speaking of that, uh, Jason, John Barillaro was very, very vocal about uh, changing some of the laws regarding uh, self-defense based on what happened to that farmer with his uh, unloaded firearm, how he confronted the criminal. Yeah, David Dunstan. Yeah. David Dunstan, that's correct, yes. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, he was very vocal about changing the laws and how it's absolutely disgraceful that in this country... Uh, you you got to go through the courts. You get put through the ringer for defending yourself, your family, your home, 
uh, with a, you know, God forbid, an unloaded firearm, a piece of metal and wood. <laughs> I think they were you know? a bit, I think they were a bit taken back, and I guess they had to do something with him, especially being a rural person. I wonder if it would have been different if well, it had been a person from the city exactly. compared to a farmer. Exactly. Uh, that, that I, I think, is a bit of a double standard. I reckon there probably mm. would have been a difference if me, you know, single person, no children, defended myself. Mm. That's not okay. But then a farmer doing it. I wonder, I wonder if it would have been different. What do you guys think? I mean, certainly email us. Let us know what you but think. But I've got to say, different. Jason, for John Barillaro, for him to say the things that he said was actually good. I'm not a supporter of the Nationals. Don't get me wrong. Don't go that far. And I don't think Barillaro is fantastic at all. But... His stance on that particular issue was uh, spot on, and I think it needs to be noted. And I think absolutely we should change uh, the laws. And uh, I mean, people who use their firearms in genuine self-defence of themselves or their families should be free from prosecution. The laws need to change so that the person, uh, a person, can't be dragged through the courts or by police and have his firearms taken away for simply doing something that any person would normally do. And Barrow Laro's in uh, the hot seat too with his mm. comments about Malcolm Turnbull. Yeah. Basically saying he was a dud, <laughs> give or take, and uh, there seems to be a lot of toing and throwing yep. amongst the uh, LMP. But, yeah, thanks very much for your email, mate. In Austria, yeah, in Germany, in Russia, most European countries, literally all over the world, they do have provisions for some sort of self-defence. They recognise that it's your right. It's your, uh, it's your I guess, God-given right to defend your gift of life. Uh, except for in Australia, yes, of course. Um, so in Australia, they drag you through the courts, and uh, God forbid you should actually hurt someone, uh, you'll get charged for something. So anyway. That's amazing. I think firearms ownership, self-defense is probably number one. Number one. Number one. Exactly, it's one yeah. of the core values, or would you say values, yeah. or core, what would you say? What word would you use here? I guess. Well, it's a, core, it's a basic human right. Uh, and not not to own a firearm specifically, but to be able to defend yourself, defend your gift of life, and uh, you've got to have a means to defend yourself with. And the most uh, modern means today is a firearm. So you know that's pretty much it. Um, you know, ever since the dawn of time, Jason, everyone's had their, a right to defend themselves, even with a with a with a uh, a spear. You know. Or with uh, some sort but of don't stick. Don't forget, only the government elites can have. You know, they <laughs> they say no, you can't defend yourself. But hang, oh, I've got about six guys hanging around me with handguns and firearms. This is what really annoys me about this government, and that's where you know the people need to, I guess, you know, fight back politically and vote for these different parties. You know, vote well, for parties that are going to support your rights. Yeah, unfortunately, Jason, as just we as we just seen in Queensland, they haven't done very. The people haven't done a very good job of that. So they put Labor back in, but we'll discuss that in a little bit. Going on from that, we're talking about uh, the Queensland election, Mars, which I think is very, very important. Mm. Uh, very, very important because a lot of some good things happen, some not so good things have happened. I guess we're going to give a little bit of a, a coverage, a bit of a wrap up. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through some of the things that happened first, some of the big things. So we'll talk about uh, One Nation, Qatar. So firstly, we at the moment, I think there's still a little bit of voting to go, about 10% at the time of us recording this podcast. Yep. Now, uh, obviously, Caddo got three people into parliament, up from two from the last election, so from two to three seats. Uh, one nation, as we tipped to get a lot of seats, unfortunately, just didn't happen. But there's some very, very good positives to come out of that. So they only got one seat. Uh, one of the negatives as well, and unfortunately, the Greens secured uh, their first seat 
in Parliament in Queensland. So I don't know what's it's happening. unbelievable. <laughs> Queenslanders voting Greens, you should be ashamed. But what we're going to do first off, uh, we're going to actually go through the number of seats. And I'm just scrolling up here on my computer. So Labor formed government in Queensland. They have the... Uh, I think they're majority. I think they were forty-eight now, Jason. Yeah, Still it's forty-eight. 40. But yeah. my last viewing here is forty-seven seats. But regardless, they're going to get a majority anyway. Cata three seats. Uh, the LMP thirty-seven. So not a walloping compared to several years ago, but uh, certainly, certainly a, a big difference there compared to Labor. Other candidates got one, so I guess they would be your Independents, Pauline Hanson's One Nation One, and the Greens One. Now, if we go through. Uh, the first preference vote, some very, very interesting stuff. And I have received uh, some emails which I wanted to address during this segment. Now, if we look at the Australian Labor Party, I don't know what people have got crazy in Queensland voting for the ALP. It just goes to show that the sheep keep voting for the same people. Uh, 957,000 votes, give or take, uh, for the Australian Labor Party. The LNP got 911,000 votes. Uh, Pauline Hansen's One Nation. Now, this is very interesting. 300 so far and 71,000 votes yeah. at, a, at a percentage of almost 14%, 13.73%. Greens at 270,000 votes with 10% of the vote. Catters Australia Party, 62,000 votes at 2.32%. Uh, the Civil Liberties and Consumer Rights, no tolls, <laughs> got 7,000 votes at 027 And there's other candidates uh, associated mm. to 123,000 votes at 4.58%. Now, we thought, uh, I want to explain one thing about Queensland voting muzz before we go on to people that yeah. don't know. They don't have an upper house like they do uh, across the country. So what that means is you have to be elected by your local electorate. Yeah. Now, this is the problem with shooters in Queensland where we haven't been able to get up a lot of people is because uh, shooters obviously spread out over a vast majority of Queensland. Queensland's a massive state. Uh, to get a person elected from a pro-gun party, you have to have those centralised shooters in one electorate. This is mm. the major problem. Now... One Nation, as we thought, Mars, we're going to get, I thought, anywhere from, what did I say before, 6 to 15 seats. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. But the good part is, at the last federal election in Queensland, they got 250,000 votes. Now, at 371,000 votes. Now, whilst that may not have uh, developed into seats, the very, very, the very, very good part about that is that their vote is increasing and they are definitely, in my opinion, going to be a force to be reckoned with, especially come up to the Victorian election and the New South Wales state election too in 2019. And I just I was emailing them and con- corresponding with them a few weeks back before the duck hunting trip, and they are currently right now they're basically registered in New South Wales. Uh, they're just waiting on the final confirmation, which should come very, very soon. But they are registered. They've just got to finalise one thing, and they're going to be registered, which is great. So that's awesome. Uh, the LDP are looking to be registered too in New South Wales in 2019, so get onto that as well. Uh, but getting back to Queensland, I had some people message me about Cata got three people into Parliament, mm. which is which is great news. But I have had some uh, some some not not say negative about Cap, as mm. in their yeah when they've actually written to me about it. But it just goes to show that Cap only got sixty two thousand votes at a percentage of two point three two percent. And actually got three people into Parliament, whereas One Nation, another pro-gun party, got 371,000 votes with almost 14% of the Queensland vote, mm. but yet only got one seat. And people were saying, why is that? Because in the seats that Cata got, generally they're only fairly small electorates. Yeah, small electorates very in small country. Ele- yeah, country, very small electorates. They have obviously a big supporter in North Queensland. Uh, to get those people up. People have messaged me and said, well, you know, Catter's going to be the, the best. We should be supporting Catter. 
Well, you know, they only got 62,000 votes. I'm not saying Catter's doing a bad job, but also, too, in the last years they've been elected, we've also got to start achieving some results, too. Yeah. You know I mean, I know, and that's difficult with only three seats. I know that's difficult. Um, and it is going to be hard to, to get changes on gun laws. But, you know, like I said, if you're, go, you're going to support gun ownership, we do need to start seeing... Yep. You know, so, some results. So hopefully maybe it's not going to matter in Queensland anyway, unfortunately, because Labor has a majority now, 47 yep. seats. They can pass legislation without any crossbenches. It's not going to matter. So that's, that's, that's uh, I guess that's good for Labor, but not so good for the people of Queensland and not so good for gun owners. Well, Jason, uh, a couple of things I want to take away from this result in Queensland. First of all, uh, politics is cruel. And I can tell you right now, you have a look at the amount of people that voted for One Nation, for 370,000 people to only receive representation of uh, one, one, seat. one seat in Parliament. It's just disgraceful. I mean, you're talking uh, over a third of the votes that Labor got. Okay, yeah. so One Nation represents over one third of the votes that Labor got. Labor gets 47 seats, One Nation gets one. And don't I mean, forget, let me just, say one thing, Mars. That's just such such injustice, but that's just the politics of it. Yeah, if you look here, the LNP, 911,000, that's only 33% of the vote. Labor yeah. only got 35. The The One Nation is almost, give or take a few, 4, 4%, 4.5% off half of the Liberal Party and not Correct. much difference to the Labor Party. So, I mean, you know, they are going to, again, I'm not sure how it's going to go. But then in again, Victoria. Jason, because we had the compulsory preferential voting. That's right. And uh, not only that, uh, in a lot of seats, Labor and Libs ganged up against One Nation. True, but right? don't forget, this is the formal first preference vote. Yeah. So they did receive first preference votes of 371,000. Yeah, first preference so votes. I that's mean, that's a- massive. And you know what? That's actually a really good sign, even though they didn't achieve many seats and even though they don't have the balance of power. It's a really good sign because if this sort of uh, uh, efforts repeated in uh, other states, I mean, it pretty much shows that One Nation will be the third biggest party in the country. Now yeah. and ahead of the Greens. Now here's the thing. This is where this is where I take issue with some of the things you said, Jason. Right? I don't see One Nation as a pro-gun party. I just don't. Um, I'm I, saying I, pro-gun yeah. in a way. I'm not well, saying they're the best by any stretch I know. of the look, look, I, And we were fairly critical on Steve Dixon, yeah, the Steve member. Dixon. Um, so, so, so that's right. But but I don't see them as a pro-gun party. Um, I don't haven't seen any policies. That's uh, remotely pro-gun. Uh, some things are good. Yeah, there's some uh, change, uh, you know, fiddling around the edges, a few uh, changes. But I haven't seen any major policies uh, that are pro-gun. And I know there's a lot of people within One Nation who are really pro-gun. But uh, until that, uh, I guess, uh, transforms into policy, we, we won't know. So I'm not sure if One Nation are waiting for the opportunity until they, they really... Uh, become a mainstream party in terms of, say, for example, as big as uh, or close to as big as the Labor Party till they uh, start doing something. But um, look, Steve Dixon, absolutely horrible on guns. Uh, with his interviews with uh, Graham Park, absolutely terrible. I didn't find him very impressive at all. However, during the campaign, Jason, he was extremely impressive, very impressive. He spoke really well. He hands down won the debate against... Uh, Premier Palaszczuk, he performed excellently on radio. All of his interviews were really good, spoke very clearly, had great policies, and I think that's the reason why uh, Queensland uh, gave him 371,000 votes. But unfortunately, he himself lost his own seat. Yeah. And unfortunately... Let's not forget, he, he is a convert... 
yep. uh, of LNP. Uh, the LNP. And unfortunately, Jason, um, the fantastic Malcolm Roberts did not win the seat of Ipswich. That's so, right. So that is a massive blow, I can tell you. That is a massive blow to the country. There wasn't much in it for Butterham. There wasn't yeah. much in it, but... Uh, yeah, unfortunately, Steve Dixon didn't lose. I, mean, I can't say, I'm, I'm not saying I'm happy about that, yeah. but I really wasn't happy. And he really showed his true colours during the uh, you know, the discussion with Graham Park and uh, David Brown from Shooters Union oh, about look, what he it, believed It's very in. hard sometimes, Jace, to see whether or not they're trying to just tame down the conversation or uh, or whether whether it's that's what they actually believe, you know what I mean, in terms of firearms. But unfortunately, he's uh, he lost his own seat. So, uh, and to be honest, Jason, um, that federal member for One Nation uh, being sworn into federal parliament and then literally straight after quitting the One Nation party and announcing himself as an independent really hurt One Nation, I think. Fra- Fraser Annie. Yeah, Fraser Annie. That really hurt them. And I think that gave them a lot of neg- negative publicity. That's a you pretty low have... act, in my opinion, yeah. to be part of One Nation. But see, this is the Malcolm thing. Malcolm Roberts loses his position for Queensland, yeah. and then you all of a sudden become an independent. I mean, how about sticking with party policy? That's These right. These people should be ashamed of themselves. That's right. Though. But this is the difficulty that smaller parties will face, Jason. The difficulty is, that, for example, if you're a member of the Labor Party or Liberal, you can have a couple of um, senators or a couple of sitting members quit. It won't matter because there's another 45 left, Right. Okay, but when you're a minor party and you only got a small handful of uh, senators there or members of parliament, and when one or two two of them quit, it's a big deal, you know. So th- this is the problem that the smaller party is always going to face, and I really hope Pauline does a better job at vetting some of these people and, and making sure that they, these people are legit and committed to the party. But um, look, I certainly hope One Nation can do well because I really like some of their policies. I really think they're great policies for the country. Um, uh, especially to do with trade and jobs and uh, uh, things like wages and so on and, you know, housing, the, the list goes on. Yeah. But, but look, uh, what can you do? Uh, Queenslanders went out in force to vote for One Nation and they did. Unfortunately, those votes did not trans- translate into seats. So that's the next challenge to get for One Nation voters to translate those votes into seats. And I certainly hope they can do it, Jason. But this time around, we've got a Labor government in Queensland. It's a majority Labor government. And that is very, very bad news for for us shooters. Very bad news. We had a lot of anti-Labor campaigns. We had Flickham. Uh, we had uh, our Labor is anti-gun. We had a lot of posters up in Queensland that were trying to, uh, I guess, uh, get any kind of government other than a Labor government. But unfortunately, it's a Labor government again, and it shows that, unfortunately, Queensland is heading uh, for more handouts. Um, I guess uh, more of this climate change nonsense. People were worried about, uh, I guess, the barrier reef or whatever it's going to be. And look, this is the problem, Jason. The problem lies with the people. The people have been sufficiently conned into believing this uh, non-stop lie that if you don't vote for the two majors, things will fall apart. And They've only got themselves to blame, haven't yeah. they? I mean, you know, people say we want change. I mean, what is there? Either you vote yeah. Labor or Liberal, there's really no other change. <laughs> I mean, from the general voting population, yeah. they decide, well, oh, well, I'm going to go against Labor. So they might go Liberal or yeah. they might go someone else. It just goes to show that the, you know, the sheep are still alive and well and they want change. And then when they go, oh, 
what happened? Oh, nothing changed in the last four years. Oh, okay. Oh, what do I do again? Let's vote Labor again. You know, it's, it's just unbelievable. I know, it's incredible. I mean, and people have got them only themselves to blame in Queensland. Whether it's yeah. LMP, didn't matter. The Flickham campaign, whether it worked or not, it got, you know, one nation got 371,000 votes, which is great by any stretch. This is oh, the thing. big time. It's we, a we fantastic. We can't look at the negative about that because I want to see how that translates to state elections mm. with the Victorian election. I'm not sure how One Nation will go in Victoria. Also where you have an upper house as well. Exactly. Yeah. Victoria seems a bit of a, you know, I'm not sure whether they're, they're a bit left-leaning down there in Victoria currently at the moment and have very, very strong support down there. Uh, whether Labor gets back in the next election, I don't know, but we want to see some pro-gun parties get up. Uh, Daniel Young, Jeff Bourne from SFP. Don't know whether they'll hold their seats down there. I guess time will tell. Support your pro-gun parties, of course. And we'll see what it's one nation. Then we've got, as I said, 2019. Uh, and if they, if they got similar votes to what they got in the federal election, one nation mm. for New South Wales, yep. or they get a similar amount, say 250,000 uh, in New South Wales at the state election in 2019, that will definitely probably see them into a seat in the lower yeah. house. That, that, that will either be at the detriment of the... Uh, Fred Nile, uh, Fred Nile party, or, or the possibly shoot, shooters, or possibly yeah. shooters and fishers. Yeah. So that's going to be very, very interesting to see. And I think of these these next coming well, up hopefully elections. Hopefully, it's the animal liberationist, Jess. <laughs> no, but it can't he? It can't be him because he's remember the eight year terms in New oh, South correct. Wales. Yes, so correct. Yep. That's yep. going to definitely it won't be him. So the only ones coming up, I think, of the cross benches would be SFP and the Fred Nile Christian Democrat. Won't be a green. No Greens. I oh, I, well, they'll, they'll be out, but I don't know because mm. Greens get quite a number of votes in New South Wales. Yeah, I don't think One Nation will get the votes of the Greens. You know, so that's going to be yep. certainly very interesting. I think it's. I think it's going to be a, a, a hotly contested election. I think, especially in New South Wales with LDP, One Nation, and SFP. Uh, you know, I guess going up there. Obviously, a lot of the parties they agree with a lot of different things. So. Yep. Who knows? We won't know until twenty. Will be interesting. Will be interesting for the federal election, Jason. I mean, if that's uh, if all those people who voted for One Nation, uh, three hundred seventy-one thousand in Queensland, if that translates to federal votes uh, at oh, the next def- uh, federal election, two, I mean, two seats. You know, One Nation uh, could could get in excess of a million votes at the next federal election. Mm. So that's going to be very interesting. That'll change the political climate. Uh, that's for sure. But anyway, Jason, let's move on to the next topic. Yeah, we're talking about the very, very interesting one is, oh, I guess we, we didn't talk about, and I like to talk about there's a lot of things, a lot. We had the Las Vegas shootings, and we also had the Texas shooting. Now, a lot of what people don't report on, especially in regards to the Texas shooting, was that mm. uh, the guy was shot by a person, guy carrying a rifle yeah, in his truck. a good guy with a gun. Good guy with a gun, which you know, a lot of the media don't tend to report on. But it's, I think that shooting was a, a lot quieter than, obviously, the, the Las Vegas shooting yeah. because... You know, obviously they realised someone with a good gun did a, did uh, a very very good thing, and and Ted Cruz I think said it very well from Texas uh, that you know people are always going to do bad things with guns, and unfortunately, you know we shouldn't take you know the guns out of the hands of the good people. And uh, in regards to Las Vegas, I mean I don't know what to say. There's some crazy crazy people out there. From what we hear, he wasn't you know obviously had mental health because who goes and kills people but Mm. that's just a real shame and a real tragedy i mean knocking out windows and shooting very well planned obviously um at the i think they were shooting down on the jason aldean concert yeah and uh, a lot of people not sure what's happening i mean what do you do in that situation it was just very very sad indeed very very sad it is it was an absolutely um horrible event i want to know what not just in the u.s but what sparks people to just think, oh, yeah, I've had enough and I want to take down as many people as possible. I know, obviously, you think well, the person must be crazy, mm. but 
how does it I just I can't I can't understand the mentality I guess I'm not crazy so I can't really understand yep. the mentality but yep. you know it's just a real shame well, and well I've got a theory Jason right and so this is what's uh, what's been uh, going on around the internet that uh, because a lot of these um, mass shootings are so well publicized by the media it really gives a lot of attention to the mass shooter and it kind of gives them their 15 minutes of limelight their 15 minutes of fame if you will uh, even though it's not 15 minutes, it's actually um, they're pretty much famous forever, really. Yeah. And um, the problem with that is, is that there's so many people who have got a lot of health health issues, mental health issues, particularly, and uh, committing suicide is no longer good enough. Some of these people want to commit suicide and take as many people with them as they possibly can, and uh, kind of like fame via suicide, if you will, because a lot of these mass shooters really have no intention of uh, living on. And uh, very rarely are they caught alive, and a lot of them get shot by police or sometimes they shoot themselves. So, and this is a disturbing trend, and this is, I guess, kind of one of the reasons why they don't report suicides in, in the news. And there's plenty of suicides going on all the time. And the reasons why they don't report it is because they don't want to depress other people uh, as well and uh, uh, you know continue on with the same stuff but uh, the problem is with the mass media and media being what it is and the guns being so political that combination is explosive and this is why this stuff always gets on the news and this is why it gets played to death and why it's on it's on our paid newspapers and tvs for literally weeks after the event and unfortunately it's one of the reasons why other it encourages other wackos to do the same thing. And, and people uh, were talking about, yeah. and this was an interesting one, and, you know, everyone, I guess everyone's been through a lot, some people, they're talking about whether, you know, people that didn't have mental health issues, yep. you know, or had mental health issues and knew about it, whether they should be able to get mm. access, you know, to a firearm. And I'm of the thing, well, I guess if they've got, you know, a letter from their doctor saying they're okay, you know, I guess mm. that I'd probably be happy with that. Um, you know, obviously, I don't know, what do you think about it? Well, Jason, this is one of the controversial things, and here I am, I'm about to say something very controversial, because um, I've been given this a lot of thought, actually, right? And a lot of people have spoken to yep. us about it, asked yep. us this question about, yep. you know, they've got, they've got a Second Amendment right, but should yep. people that are, you know, yep. that are uh, mentally ill, you know, be able to get access to a firearm? But I guess there's different types. There's the person that suffered a little bit of depression in their life, but it's fine, but then you also got the... The crazy person who, you know, is, is their mental yep. health issue is on a different scale, say, compared to the guy that might have gone through a bad breakup, lost money, lost a home, whatever it may be, a yep. life, life situation. And yeah. Now, my opinion, Jason, is solely based on evidence from what I've seen, what I've witnessed um, on TV, from the reports, and also by studying some of the cases with mass shootings. And, and by and large, many, many. Uh, mass shooters um, who are obviously deranged uh, are usually on some sort of antidepressant medication and uh, that is uh, a lot of them actually so and to be honest um, this this to me is a big problem now I honestly believe the second amendment it's not for everybody it's not for everybody okay so if you're a known criminal if you have some sort of criminal record guess what you're not going to be able to buy guns you're not going to be able to exercise your second amendment right if you're on a no-fly list you're not going to be able to exercise your Second Amendment right. If you uh, have got some sort of, um, I guess, uh, problem with terrorism, for example, if you're um, uh, associated with terrorists, whatever it is, if you're on some sort of FBI data database 
or ASIO database, you're not going to be able to buy guns. Okay, so, so the Second Amendment, or for example, in this country, the um, the right to have a firearms license and to apply for one and so on, um, it's not for everybody, and uh, we have to face that. And my thought, my belief is, it, it should not be for the mentally ill either. Now, how are you going to prove if someone's mentally ill? Well. Quite simply, um, my opinion is that if you are, if you go to a doctor and if you get a diagnosis of uh, some kind of depression or whatever it might be, and the doctor gives you a subscription for a mind-altering drug, altering drug, I believe, I honestly do believe that you should be, you should be put on a no-buy list when it comes to firearms. Okay. What, so, for how long? Permanently? Uh, well, uh, you know what, Jason, that is a good question. Okay. And I believe I that... I think permanently is a bit over. Well, I, I, think, I think it should be 10 years minimum. Uh, so, so now, Jason's not very happy with this. Now, hear me out for a second, right? I do believe the NRA needs to be on the front foot when it comes to this. I do believe that they need to start doing something and recognising the fact that people with severe mental illnesses or mental issues or depression or whatever you might want to call it uh, can can walk into basically any gun shop in America and produce their license, and they, if they have no criminal record, they can buy firearms, and they can do stupid stuff with firearms. You've got to you've got to recognise this, okay? So this is actually a real thing, and it does happen all the time, and we have to recognise it. And the Second Amendment is not for everybody, and I strongly believe this is my strong belief that it should not be for the mentally ill. Now, what is a mentally ill person? Well, it's someone who accepts uh, a prescription for drugs to treat their mental, mental illness. That's my definition of someone who's mentally ill. If you've accepted a prescription for drugs to treat your mental illness, that means that you accept the fact that you need help. Okay, you need so help. in saying that, though, which is, I'm not saying here nor there, yep. how would that have stopped, say, like what's currently not on the books that would have stopped, say, this Stephen Paddock guy, okay. that obviously the Good Las question. Vegas shooter, because... He didn't have any, well, obviously had issues yep, after killing yep. a lot of people, most of which, I mean, but sometimes also too, I think too, some people say you have to be crazy or have to have a mental illness to kill people. I don't think that's necessarily no, the case. That's, necessarily that's correct. The case. I mean, he could just think this is what I'm going to do. I don't care about getting killed and just, I don't give a shit and I'm going to die. Yep, you know? no, and, I, and they don't really care. Some people say that might be crazy, but it doesn't necessarily mean They've got a mental illness. People say, well, don't they go hand in hand? But I guess we're associating the act that is obviously A, unlawful, B, very, very out of the ordinary, is that you yep. must have a mental issue if you've done something like this. Yep. Sometimes they sometimes think, I've just had enough. I'm going to take as many people as I can, and I don't really care. And, yep. and that they've had enough, and that's going to be the end of it. But I don't think... You know, putting these things in place, which I'm not saying it's going to be good or bad. I think it should be left up to the the person going to the doctor, working with their you know medical health professional, uh, and finding out because people don't know within themselves. You know, like I mean, someone looking from the outside might say, might say that those two people are exactly the same. But you got one that's extremely crazy and could do something really stupid. The other person went through some life issues. You know that yep. that that may be a little bit different. But I guess from the outside, people aren't going to know. Government is not going to know because they can't be inside people's heads. So it's a, it's a very difficult one, eh? We're not advocating for it either way, but, you know, well, just, the it, thing it, is, it's, a, it's, a good, it's a good discussion but, to have. But, but this is the thing, Jason. What I am advocating for, now, what I'm proposing is a very blunt instrument. I know it's not perfect. No laws are perfect. In fact, the Texas shooter, the guy who shot up the t- church in Texas, was not meant to be able to purchase firearms because he was dishonorably discharged from the military. So he had issues, and the military were uh, were obligated to put him on 
uh, a list or do not buy uh, firearms list with the with the FBI. Um, and that didn't happen. So there was something went wrong there with the bureaucracy and it didn't occur. So he wasn't on any list, but he should have been. So there you go. It's an example of the existing laws that weren't really implemented well and they didn't work. But this, what I'm proposing with the mental health issues and especially to do with the United States, I think the NRA should be on the front foot of this. This will do two things. One, it will catch a small group of people that may potentially uh, want to shoot people. And I'm talking small group. It won't catch everyone. Okay. So that's very clear. And the other thing is too, um, it, it will show the people of the United States that the NRA are willing to do something. They're willing to do something about mental health. They're willing to do something about these crazies who are shooting people up. So I believe it's a great PR exercise on one hand. And on the other hand, it will catch some people, but unfortunately it will also catch some people who may have mental health issues but will never shoot anybody, right? Mm. So that's the problem. Now, Now, I believe that, unfortunately, this is the compromise that needs to be made. That's In, in my view, it does need to be made because it, people need to see, the average American or Australian need to see that the NRA gives a shit quite frankly, that they, that I they care. But I, I'm, I'm saying, that I they, don't they, think it's actually going to really... I mean, you might be right. Mm. It might save some people from doing that, maybe. Jason, I maybe. can tell you right now, it may just only... It get, may do it, nothing. It, it may just only get like 10% of the loonies out there, right, that are wanting to That's what I mean, that. but is it yeah. worth then instituting some type of legislation or having the NRA support something like that when... You know, it, but, it, but, but we, my, we can't guarantee coming, that it's going to, look, going to do anything. And that's yep. where the NRA's come from before. They've come from the point always, and mm-hmm. which you know, I, I'm not necessarily necessarily agree, but I think I do uh, say as a matter of principle that if you said to me, all right, I'm going to bring this legislation in, this is going to stop mass shootings. I'd say, all right, well, let, let's have the discussion. If that's what it was, and it was to ban guns, maybe that's a discussion. That I'm obviously not advocating banning guns by any stretch of the imagination. But if that was a discussion you could have, at least you could have that discussion. But if people... Often people bring up legislation to say, listen, you know, if we bring this in, this is going to do this. But m- majority of those things yeah. they want to bring in aren't going to stop mass shootings. They're not going to do anything other than really make us feel good. And people say, well, shouldn't we try? Well, unless it's going to stop mass shootings, I don't think so. Well, when you say stop mass shootings, what are you actually saying? Are you going to stop all mass shootings? Of course you're not. Okay, Of course you're not. No law is going to guarantee that. Okay, My point is this. If if a man, say for example, gets if a man uh, beats someone up in a bar, someone, someone you know, for example, may have been um, I guess harassing his girlfriend, and he's protecting his girlfriend, punches someone out, gets in a scuffle, gets done for a violent crime. Okay, he may not be able to purchase firearms, right? But is he the type sort of person that was is a mass killer? Probably not. Okay, but someone who has mental health issues can go and get mind altering drugs. And he could be a potential mass killer, right? This is my point. Okay, the law is blunt. Doesn't matter which one. Doesn't matter if, if you're the guy who gets done for assault and he can't buy firearms, or you're the guy uh, who basically, um, you know, is, is trying to buy firearms, but you've got mental health issues. The law is blunt either way. No matter which way you look at it. My point is is that um, the Second Amendment, Jason, and specifically, I'm talking about the United States here. The Second Amendment, it's not for everyone. It's not for violent criminals. It's not for terrorists, okay? 
it's not for those people for whatever reason are on a no-fly list and not allowed to purchase firearms. And it shouldn't be for mentally ill people who are on mind-altering drugs. And that's what I, that's how I feel about it. Any doctor, any doctor who prescribes mind-altering drugs to someone should have an obligation to report that person to the FBI so that he gets put on a no-buy list. And in fact, the FBI should make it very clear that this person can exercise their right to defend themselves, say, for example, via a pepper spray, so they shouldn't be stopped from buying pepper spray or anything like that, okay? But firearms, completely out of the question. Now, this is this would catch a lot of people, okay, who are probably innocent, probably would never kill anyone. However, it's also going to catch a lot of people as well who may be potential mass shooters. And also, it will give a lot of PR uh, publicity to the NRA uh, who are going to be seen as wanting to do something. And I think they should. They should do something like this. Mm. And that's Wanting to do something well, and actually listen, achieving something, that's two different Well, stories. you never know. You don't know the results of what they could achieve, what this what could achieve. They could say to my, if we ban all guns, we can stop shootings in Australia then. No, you, you, of course that's not going to happen. I mean, we get shootings all the time here. All right. So, look, Jason, I, under, but, I understand that. But if, if it's going to help somebody, look, look, if it's going to help one person or you know, two people survive, isn't it a good thing? We all no, we already well, have. Obviously, laws. I'm not advocating that. Well, I'm being yes, facetious. Of course, obviously, you, of sarcastic. Course we already have in this country, Jace. Right? Okay. If you get done for an AVO in this country, you can't buy firearms for ten years. Now, is that yeah. fair? No, I don't think it's fair. No. I don't think it's fair either because you haven't been but, convicted of a crime. All right. But exactly right. If someone's convicted of a crime, convicted right. of violence, then well, sure, then sure, I think it's okay. reasonable. reasonable but I, I understand. We don't that. want violent people with guns. I think it makes sense. But yeah, but see, not uh, being convicted of a crime. Good. I, I understand that, right? I understand that. But see, we already got laws that really are just catch out a lot of people that are not going to uh, do anything of the sort. But when it comes to mental health issues, these are people that might do something. Okay, that are very got high potential of doing something. Okay, and uh, this has been the evidence in the United States. People, a lot of people, have mental health issues because their mental health, um, I guess, treatment over there is very poor. Uh, the awareness is very poor. People suffer from a lot of uh, mental health issues. People commit suicide quite a lot, and I'm not suggesting that this is going to stop them from committing suicide. People will find ways to kill themselves if they want to, and I hate talking about it to be honest because it's a really depressing subject, but. The reality is, Jason, the Second Amendment is not for everybody. So, anyway, that's my view on it, and I want to hear what you think about my yeah, view. Send us so, in a voicemail. Send, send us, us in yeah. an email. What do you guys think? Are we off off mark, or you think it's reasonable? It's unreasonable. Are you somewhere in the middle? Definitely yeah. let us know. Now, bear in mind, Jason. Bear in mind, I I am very specific with what what I want to see. I want to see anybody who accepts a prescription from a doctor for medication, not just someone who tells doctor they're being depressed, but who accepts a prescription for mind-altering medication to be put on a list. So if you're, if you're something, if you accept a, a script like that, then unfortunately the doctor has to make the assumption that you're taking those drugs and therefore I, I do believe he should be under the obligation to report that and uh, to make sure that uh, people like yourself, I mean people who are taking those sort of uh, drugs are not um, buying firearms, especially in the United States. Yeah, the interesting article we've got here, the Evening Standard. Now, if I look at this one, six days ago, Jim Armitage says, US needs greater gun control, says Rifle Boss. Found this article. Now, obviously, this is not a, a, a standard paper. It's the standard.co.uk. 
But I wanted to go through some interesting comments that were allegedly made by Accuracy International boss. It says, The British make of the most accurate sniper rifle in the world on Friday called for greater gun controls in the US after the latest series of tragic attacks. Speaking as he reported rising sales and profits, well, of course, I'm making money, <laughs> but heaven forbid. Uh, Tom Irwin, Chief Executive of Accuracy International, said it was ridiculous that you can legally buy devices to turn semi-automatic rifles into automatics, which are illegal in the US. Such devices were used in the Las Vegas shooting. Asked whether semi-automatics still capable of firing rapidly should be legal as well, he said, personally, I don't think so. I can't see a benefit. <laughs> right? <laughs> Irwin said a Trump president was better for AI's business than if Hillary Clinton had won last year's election. There was always a risk that she would ban gun imports, he said. Irwin was this is it gets it gets better and better like like I'm obviously again I'm joking. Yeah. Irwin was speaking while reporting a pre-tax profit last year jumped from three hundred sixty-four thousand pounds to four hundred ninety-four thousand pounds and a turnover of thirteen point two million pounds, twelve million uh, twelve million higher than the year before. Demand is so high that Irwin said it needs to expand its UK and US facilities. Accuracy International rifles have been used for long-range kills in battle, etc. Uh, etc. Et so, again, record profits for uh, Accuracy International. But, and where's uh, that article from, Jase? This is one, the standard.co.uk. Uh, What's the date? Jim Armitage. This is a UK article. What's the date on it? Uh, I can't find a date, actually. I'll see if I can go to the bottom. Can't really find a date on it. Uh, from six days, uh, roughly around the 3rd of... December? December, no, yes. Yeah, yeah. And then... <laughs> And then I'm looking at a couple of comments here, and it says, from Booker, no one cares what he thinks about the rights of U.S. citizens. <laughs> this is the interesting uh, part. People often, again, make money. They make money off uh, the backs of, of hardworking people in the U.S., obviously, and the, and the U.K. for, you know, contracts out of government. Uh, but you know what? And he thinks, you know, well, these things shouldn't exist, yet happy <laughs> to make the money off the back of the U.S. government. Uh, it's just, well, it's well unbelievable. If, if, if he thinks that um, that America needs title gun control, he can start with himself by not selling his rifles yeah. to the general public. Pack up shop, yeah, pack up <laughs> pack shop, up shop. Or even if they, even if, I'm not sure if the general public can even own those types of rifles, either the US oh, the or accurate, the UK. Yeah, even we can own them here too. But the Accuracy International, um, you can buy a three hundred eight, three hundred Winnie Mag. Uh, they're about. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too familiar yeah. with those types of but, rifles. But, but the thing is, Jason, if he believes in tighter gun control, he should start with himself and basically sell only to the military and police. That's it. Yeah. And then we'll see if he's a uh, profit But even that's a bit is. hypocritical too, because <laughs> I'm sitting, I'm thinking to myself, well, you don't, you don't mind making, you know, off the backs of, of either, even the government. If you don't like guns, you don't like gun laws. Why sell guns? Oh, I know, it's just unbelievable, some yeah. of these hypocrites. But, you know, what do you expect? He's British. <laughs> <laughs> Damn British. The Daily Telegraph, uh, this one, December 5th, 2017. Now, this is what we always talk about often, law-abiding firearms owners being yeah. attacked instead of criminals uh, using firearms illegally. Now, it says this is uh, from the, the Daily Telegraph. Armed robber who shot bystander has six years cut from sentence. Now, a Sydney armed robber who shot an innocent bystander, rendering him a paraplegic guy in a wheelchair. He had six years slashed from his minimum 20-year term. Jeez. Can you believe it? Ali Chauk, yep. then 25, was sentenced in the district court in September last year to 27 years with a non-parole period of 20 after pleading guilty to a string of charges, including discharging a firearm with intent to cause grievous bodily harm to Mr. Graham Hunt, who was on the verge of retirement. Mr. Hunt was shot in March 2004, a truck driver 26 years, and was shot through the side of his chest when he walked through his home in Lansdowne, Marylands. 
New South Wales Court of Criminal Appeal on Monday concluded the Senate was manifestly excessive and crushing his reduced term 20 years with a non-parole period of 14 years. I mean, geez. This is just unbelievable. This, it can only happen in, like, in, in, in such a dopey country like Australia. We treat our citizens like trash. If, if, the if victim, this happened the victims, in the States, it'd be, it'd be mate, life in prison. There'd be no chance of this poor bloke. Parole. This poor bloke, he's about to retire. I mean, it should be the happiest days of his, his golden years. And you know, he, to spend his money, and enjoy he, himself, go on and holidays. He's a paraplegic now because of this grub, and it, and for this Why guy's sentence to be go- reduced, it's just unbelievable. Honestly, the 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 politics in Australia that's getting further and further. I think to the left that it has in a long time, and almost we, we in, in effect we're rewarding criminals. Well, yeah, it's like with hey, a seven year. Oh, thank hey, you. Hey, well for done. Being you good made or? this. You made this old bloke a paraplegic. Well done. He's six years off. It's just, uh, can you believe it? I can't get my head around it. Uh, I feel sorry for the poor bloke. I mean, I'd be disgusted. I mean, honestly, this is where people eventually, this is what I'm saying, where we need to get governments in there. Oh, the initial sentence was too harsh, Jason, apparently. Oh, it's 20 years, it's too harsh. Oh, poor guy. You've only made a a poor old guy a paraplegic. You know what? He's six years off. Seven years, actually. It's it's (laughs) mind-blowing, mind-blowing. We also want to talk about, we went on to the politics at the start about One Nation, Queensland election, Catter Party. So now we're going to talk a little bit about the by-election. But also, Jason, yes. in re- reference to the Queensland election, we didn't talk about the great result for Catter Party. Yeah, only s- three well, seats. Three we seats, did. but only 62,000 votes, and they got three seats. 370,000 for One Nation and one seat. I mean... <laughs> Politics again, is cruel, man. I know it is, it's but, cruel. but again, they've got no upper house in I Queensland. Know. So it's a, again, it's by electorate. So if you get ten thousand votes in your electorate, yep. you, you might win. If you get, you know, depends anyway, on what area. But the by election, yeah, but by election, Kudamundra and the Murray by elections. Yep. Um, who ran? It was uh, Matthew Statmiller from yep. Shooters and Fishers Party. Yep, and Helen Dalton from correct. From uh, Shooters and Fishers Party as well, and I thought they were. I thought at least one of them would get up. I thought Helen Dalton; she's apparently quite respected uh, within the community. Well, Jason, I'll tell you what the difference was this time. Um, the Shooters and Fishers Party didn't have such great support from the likes of Ray Hadley and Alan Jones this time. And don't forget, this All was right. just about a couple of weeks, maybe a month yep. after the Las Vegas shooting, and that was what they hinged. I think a lot yep. of their the Nationals really attacked us on gun laws, and we're not fans of the Nationals whatsoever. No. I think on one of our last shows, we've seen some of the stuff they were they were putting out the Nationals in regards to some of their Facebook page. That's the New South Wales Nationals saying, you know, only police and farmers really should have guns. Then all yep. of a sudden, they retracted their their Facebook post. Uh, and went on and basically. Well, there said was also different. there was also an interview which was very telling uh, with uh, Ray Hadley and I think Robert Borsak from the Shooters and Fishers Party. So, you now Ray Hadley was really not happy with the fact that Shooters and Fishers Party wouldn't allow the age uh, for junior shooters for ten uh, to ten years old. So currently it's twelve and lower the age to ten years old, which I think is quite fine. Most young. Most young kids on the farm you start shooting at about six or seven years I agree, old. I agree, on, I agree with it too. But is yeah. it is it a fight we should have been taking? Is it a major factor to reduce the shooting age for two years? And hey, I agree with that. And yeah. I, I agree with them t- entirely on that like, particular yeah, matter. On, on the big ticket list items, yeah. Is, I mean, how, how does it rate for yeah, me? I, mean, I don't think it rates even number ten. Okay, exactly. So, if it's not yeah. rating ten, but yeah. what damage can it do to the cause of getting elected? That's the question. Well, Saying, "Oh, they want kids shooting. They want oh, young kids running around with." Well, guns. Ray Hadley, Ray Hadley was apparently uh, really disappointed with, with with this policy, 
And uh, to be honest, it really showed his true colours. It really showed that they only they don't they don't really support Shooters and Fishers Party. Let's get that straight. They don't support Shooters. They only wanted to support them to get back at the Nationals for the for Greyhound, Greyhound race. That, that's yeah. all it was. That's all it was. So they used the Shooters and Fishers Party as a vehicle to get back at the Nationals because of their silly decision on Greyhound racing. They've got no intention of uh, fully supporting the Shooters and Fishers Party. I have absolutely no doubt of that, and they will find later on any excuse. But I can tell you right now, whenever it's an issue that they care about, they'll jump on the Shooters and Fishers Party bandwagon. But um, it was really telling, actually, because it shows uh, what what a bunch of uh, corporate shills they are. So, anyway, but um, we didn't win the by-elections, but we, you know, I mean, Shooters and Fishers Party done a pretty good job of representing and uh, getting the um, getting their name out there. there. Was heaps of volunteers involved. They done a really good job of uh, campaigning. However, we just didn't get through. Going on from that, Muzz, too, we've actually got uh, a bit of a sound grab uh, from 2GB. This was Ray Hadley talking to Robert Borzak from Shooters, Fishers yep. and Farmers Party about the 10-year-old shooting. And uh, you, you can have a listen and then we'll come back and have a chat about it. What, what about the allegation by Mr Barilaro that you want 10-year-olds to have guns? No, we don't want 10-year-olds to have guns. We want 10-year-olds to be trained in the safe usage of guns under the tutelage of licensed firearms owners. It's all about training and safety, right? That's what it's all but about. But surely you don't want to put a gun in a 10-year-old whether they're licensed or unlicensed. No, no, it's not, about, it's not about putting a gun in their hand. It's about training. That's what it's all about. If 12-year-olds get trained... Uh, we're, we're pretty keen to see, for example, that schools already do it at 12-year-olds. Why shouldn't they also be able to do it at a 10-year-old with a trainee licence? J- just take me a bit further. When you say a trainee licence, uh, how is that going to work? Because I, I've got to admit I do have con- some concerns about that revelation. OK, well, what it is, it's not actually a licence. What it is, it's a permit. It's not a permit to own. It's not a permit to acquire. It's not a permit to do anything at all other than be on the range with a licensed person and learn safety and shoot at targets. That's what they do at these schools. So it's not to use a gun anywhere else on a property? Uh, it's purely and simply to use it on a gun range? Is that what you're saying? Well, they can use it on properties. Uh, 12-year-olds with learner's permits, effectively. It's like learning how to drive. You can't go and drive by yourself. Yeah, but, yeah, but, but you've got to be 16 to do that, uh, Robert, and I would suggest to you a gun's as dangerous as a car in most hands. Well, I think that's right. But again, it's under the tutelage of someone who's properly licensed, and it's only for training. It's for nothing else. As I say, they can't own a firearm, they can't acquire one, they can only use it while they're in the presence of a person that's going to train them on the safe usage of it. Mm. Um, All right, guys, you just heard from uh, Robert Borzak there on, uh, from Shooters, Fishers and Farmers Party with Ray Hadley. Yep. Um, you know, he, was, he kept on pushing on it, didn't he, about the oh, 10-year-olds not going to be able to go hunting. Well, it's under supervision. I'm, I'm just feeling that... I, I don't just know. don't understand what Ray Hadley thinks is going to happen. I mean, we already allow 12-year-olds. They're I going mean, to turn into what, killers. A, 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 someone who's two years younger? Well, I mean, what's really the difference? I mean, it's just unbelievable how they make such a big deal killers. out of something completely nonsensical, but... You know, it's just it's just ridiculous, and you can see that, you know, the way he was talking, eh, Jason, he's saying, well, it's going to be a big, you know, uh, surge to to try and get uh, a result like Orange. You know what I mean? Like, it, you, you can see that he he didn't hold much hope out for Shooters and Fishers Party, nor did, nor was he advocating for people to go out and vote, vote for, for the them. SFP yeah. like he was when at the it, time it of the to be, Greyhound ban. Very big on the Greyhounds, you know, really no, wanting to make them right. pay. 
Um, yeah, maybe the love affair's over. I don't know. Oh, well, it didn't seem knows? too bad. It didn't seem too bad. But anyway, oh, Robert Robert Borsak done a pretty good job, regardless. I mean, I think he could have been better on some issues. But what, what what can you do? I mean, you can't expect perfection every time. Every time, no. Uh, um, what have we got coming up on the show? Lots, obviously, Christmas is coming up, so I hope everyone has a great Christmas, uh, gets out there, yeah. does a bit of hunting. I'm going to be doing a fishing this time of the year. I'm going to go to Malakuta with my friend again over the Christmas period uh, for about three, 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 three and a half weeks. So I'm looking forward to yeah. that, relaxing again for the holiday period. I hope you guys all do the same. Uh, coming up on the show, what have we got? We've got, uh, I did some fishing podcasts just recently, the last couple of weeks. I've been trying to smash mm. out a few while the uh, server's been down. So I've got Dan Selby again. He runs uh, Charters out of Sydney and the Hawkesbury River. We're going to talk about catching kingfish. They're really hard fighting fish. Uh, very nice eating fish too. I've also got uh, Mitch, uh, Mitch Brewer from 365 Precision Training. We were talking about long range yep. shooting. So we get Mitch on the show again to talk about long range shooting, uh, what you can expect from their courses, rifles, scopes. Uh, loads, projectiles, reloading, factory ammo, you name it, we talk about it on that show. I think you're going yep. to enjoy that. Uh, so we've got heaps coming up on the show. We've got some more uh, second snapshot coming up too. I uh, won't tell you about the topic, but I think it's quite interesting, getting a lot of females into that one. And then we're going to have a male version of that particular question that we're going to be asking on the snapshot uh, program, one of our new segments here on AHP. Uh, yeah, so it's going to be good. We've got lots coming up. Mars, anything to add before we finish on? Yeah, please let us know. Uh, give us uh, some feedback via email or voicemail uh, what you think of the show let us know about the topics that we discuss my opinions on say for example on that's going to be controversial on about uh, the mentally ill and firearms let me know what you think about that um, by all uh, means guys if you want to if you're going to go hunting this summer be careful okay make sure that you've got your, uh, your 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 protection for snakes make sure you've got your bandages your first aid kits and so on Make sure you're well hydrated, carry plenty of water out there. It will be hot in some areas. And also always keep in mind uh, there is a possibility for high chance of bushfires in a lot of areas, right? So when you go hunting during summer, you have to take uh, extra precautions, guys. You've got to make sure that you're well hydrated and take all the uh, things like the EPIRB, for example, if you get lost or cop a snake bite or anything like that. Um, just be careful. And out talk there. about him. Talk yeah. about snake bites. Uh, if you go back to episode one sixty three, we just did part two of the I Hunt Expo. Just came out. We did a snake uh, discussion with Tina Moston for episode one hundred sixty three. So go back and listen to that. That was live at the I Hunt Expo part two. Go and check that out because that's very exciting. Released that on the 6th of December, 2017. So go listen to that. We talk about a lot about snake bites, uh, what to do if you're actually bitten. Very, very important stuff to know. I know hopefully you guys are never going to have to be able to use, you know, steak bandages, but it's always good to yeah. uh, know exactly how to use them, how to use your EPIRB, make sure your gear's actually working. That's really, really important. Don't go out there if you haven't checked your gear. Mm. Especially, sure especially during summer, Jason. Exactly. I, mean, I, mean, I, snake I hate season. snakes. I hate them. You know what I mean? <laughs> Literally, I, I find them interesting, but, you know, I hate them. They make my back, my skin crawl. Now, thankfully, I mean, people like myself and I think a lot of other people as well, a lot of my friends that I know, they really stay clear from hunting when it comes to summer. Summer's usually beach and fishing weather for us especially in my family, and um, I, don't, like, I don't hate going hunting in the, in the heat. I just can't stand it, to be honest. Some people yeah, love it because they get, a lot of, they get a lot of really good action on the spotlighting it's because at night it's quite cool and it's excellent temperature, and the animals do come out at night during summer. That's the great thing about hunting in summer, actually, is when you hunt at night, you see a huge amount of animals. If you're hunting at night, I think it's different. Obviously, mm. it cools down a lot, but uh, you know, spotlighting probably would be good in summer. Mm. I generally consider my duck shooting the, the end of my hunting for the end of the year until yeah. deer season next yeah. year. So, 
in March or so starts to cool down. I'm like, Mars, I'm, I'm not built for the heat. That's nah. why I keep saying I want to move to Victoria <laughs> or, or uh, New Zealand. That'll be much more suited to my body type, that's for sure. But we've got heaps coming up, long-range shooting. That's, I think you're going to enjoy that. It's going to be a great podcast as well. Hope you guys uh, have a great Christmas. Uh, we're going to be releasing shows throughout January. I am trying to get some uh, recorded and edited so I can release them while I'm away. But uh, definitely be podcasts uh, towards the middle and end of January yep. as well and up to and before Christmas. So, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. So without further ado, my name is Jason Selms. And I'm Mario Vlatko. See you guys next time. You're listening to the Straight Shooting Podcast here on the AHB Digital Radio Network. As always, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.